Welcome to the Vibe Lifter podcast. I'm Tish, one of the Reglan Food co-founders, and I'm here to help lift your vibe with inspiring stories from people out in their local communities doing good mahi. So settle in and let's meet our guest of the day. Today we're chatting with Murray Grant, tree lover, nature enthusiast, and founding trustee of the Kaitiaki Tanga Charitable Trust. Kia ora Murray. Lovely to have you here. I think this might be the first time I've seen you without your gumboots on. Kia ora, Tish. It might be, but often I like to wear good, strong leather boots as well. Yeah, they do the job too. Uh, the first time that we met Murray, I remember being quite amazed at the story of how you developed your passion for planting trees and ended up starting the Kaitiaki Tanga Charitable Trust. Could you share some of that journey with our listeners? Yeah, Sure. I began as a keen gardener. I found as a child that I was, I had green fingers like my mother and I was her right-hand person in the, in the garden with not just flowers but vegetables and um, I learnt to enjoy watching them grow. From that time, being a keen outdoorsman, I started to take more notice of our native plants, particularly when I was tramping and recognising that I couldn't tell the name of most of the trees as I was going through our native bush. And I thought in my late teens that that was a bit embarrassing. And I thought that everybody in New Zealand should have some sort of understanding of the beauty of our natural nahiri. Uh, So I developed an interest in that largely as a result of gardening and then later on through a love of just being in the bush. Yeah. But then how did you go from, because you were a solicitor, right? You had a law firm in Hamilton. And so how did you go from that to what you're doing now, sort of full-time actually running the trust? Yeah, well, I was a barrister solicitor, a litigation lawyer for approximately 30 years, but I was playing rugby and I sustained a what they call a mild traumatic brain injury, which sort of changed my life from that time onwards. Um, Took me a long time to figure out what I could and couldn't do. But after a while, it was clear that there was too much risk as a solicitor at the level that I was operating to carry on with uh, short-term memory problems and speech problems and the like that you have from brain injury. So um, I found that I was drawn back to going back into the bush and the Japanese have got a a word for that, they find that it is beneficial to you. It's called forest bathing. Mm. So it's something that I did after the injury and while I thought I was working back to being a barrister. After a while, I had a couple more bangs actually and that compounded everything. So while I was doing my planting work, largely at Raglan, just a few minutes from where we are now, Tesh, at Okiti, I also would be regularly going into a cafe and talking to the manager there, the owner and the staff before I started trying to do my legal work again. And uh, as they went by, they were asking me what I did the same way as you. I was just doing a lot of planting of trees and spraying and preparing land just to make myself feel better and get some clear, fresh air. The owner and two of his staff accepted an invitation from me to go to the Northern Puriora with the Parongia Restoration Society where they were putting out bait to protect the kokako from rats. 
and these young men came with me and um, thoroughly enjoyed the camping and the time in the bush and learning how to use the GPS and having a pack on your back through tracks, etc. And it led to one young man, a young Tongan, about 16 years old, to keep asking me whenever I went into the cafe, what are you doing this weekend, Murray? And I was usually going back to Raglan on cutting gorse or planting trees or pulling convolvulus off the plants and just basically looking after this area that I'd come to enjoy my time at. And it developed into him saying, well, can I bring my bros? And having been a criminal lawyer for a good part of my early lawyering, I was already aware of the trouble with youth in New Zealand and the difference between the haves and the have-nots and how it impacts on the opportunities that they're shown and the choices that they learn that they have. So I was aware that there was a very disestablished, disadvantaged group of youth in our society. So this young man was one of those and he kept bringing more and more of his mates and I was always welcoming of them because they... It just cost me lunches at cafes and they did lots of work and seemed to be enjoying themselves. And then that just naturally developed into the trust. Uh, I think it was after the last of three significant head injuries that I told the partners that I couldn't carry on as a partner and that I would like them to support me to set up the charitable trust to work with youth in the environment. Wow. And they were happy to do that? Oh, very much so. It's Stace Hammond, they're the oldest firm of lawyers in Hamilton. They appreciated that I had been trying to rehabilitate, but also saw that I was very passionate about the planting and the youth. They did all the legal work to set up the charity. They supplied me with an office, a personal assistant to do all the typing and anything like that, a lot of the administration. Yeah, they're still one of our major supporters. That's so cool. Yeah. And so now you actually have full-time rangataki or youth working with you, right? You've got a couple of lads who are there nearly every day doing different projects. Yeah, well, the young lad, Leighton Gardner, who was the dishwasher at the cafe I talked about earlier, after nine years of working with me as a volunteer largely and going through different phases of his youth, which wasn't always easy, he had reached a stage where... He reached out and said, can I come and work for the trust? And he, he became our first full-time employee at the beginning of uh, 2023. And uh, just the beginning of September, we brought on a second boy, uh, Nevi Maniapoto. He is a young lad from Ahutari, mm-hmm. just not far from here, who lives in Norton Hamilton, and he became aware of our program through Takuwairua, another youth group, and he was on a camp with my son and daughter when I was unable to do it one year. He also asked to come and work with us, so we got two. And so they get to go out and plant trees every day. That's sort of what they're doing and take yeah, care they, of the bush. They, there's a variety. They have to have a skills other than this that we're trying to train them up so that they will have the opportunity of being employed by other outdoor pest groups and natural habitat groups such as planting groups and things like that. So, for example, Leighton's, we got him his driver's licence, his quad bike certificate, a spray certificate, his first aid certificate and a chainsaw certificate. 
Wow, so that's amazing skills he's got now. Yeah, he is, and he's now going with the other youth. We we get a cohort of about up to 15 kids go to Takawairua every six months, so there's two a year, and they come to our purpose-built container workshop, the Jim Wade workshop, at Tolfuri and Leighton, and now Nevi goes along too, teaches these youth, they're about 16 and 17, 18, or one was as young as 15, I found out the other day, and uh, we teach them how to make the Doc 200 traps and shortly Doc 250 traps, and so they use certain tools and they learn to measure and they learn the importance of double-checking, and we take them through the health and safety toolbox meeting in the mornings, and we get them all to show us how they identify hazards, and it's all to make these youth aware of the things that they will come across no matter what job they go into, but more particularly for the type of outdoor work that we specialise in. Mm, But those are great skills and you can apply those across so many things. And for them, do you find that they're quite eager to learn? Do they come in quite excited or do you find that you have to sort of motivate them (laughs) and get them to engage in the programme? They're often extremely shy when they begin and it's very difficult to get any feedback from them whatsoever. But the way that we approach it and the fact that I've got Leighton there who's can relate to them, they all have very similar backgrounds. And yes, there'd be some tough stories in there, I'm sure. Oh, there's some absolutely horrific stories. And these kids are absolute champions for even getting to come along and try to give it a go from... Yeah when you consider what they've been through Mm. with drug, alcohol, abuse, violence, just absolutely horrific. It's just far too rife in our society and it's a privilege to be able to try and help them. Yeah, that's really beautiful that you're doing that for them. Yeah, well, it's not just one way. When I was a young lawyer, I I had a, a natural ability to relate to youth and I was appointed as counsel for the child very young by a judge who recognised that I was good at getting the kids to open up and, oh. and to trust me. It's well, The skill is just to treat them like human beings and equals rather than pretending Talking that you're any... down be- to them. Yeah, or pretending that anyone's any better than anyone else, mm. which um, I strongly believe is wrong. So from that, I have learnt certain skills to be able to... Well, be an idiot a lot of the time, actually. Uh, <laughs> Make them laugh. Yeah, we we have a lot of laughs and I manage to, I keep prodding until I get a reaction. I'm mm. a bit of a pain really, but um, so it's not one-way street. I get a hell of a lot of fun out, out of, of working with them and it's, it's a rare day that we haven't had some real belly laughs and mm-hmm. uh, particularly with Leighton. I, I'm very lucky to have met him because we're both, we just laugh the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, until I have to tell him off, which was every second time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really cool. It's nice that it goes both ways like that. And then you also do uh, volunteering for companies, right, who bring their teams out. I know we've done two with you, um, bringing the Raglan Food Co. team out to help you with planting. Do you have quite a few groups and companies wanting to get stuck into that? Do you think they, they get quite a lot out of the experience? 
Yeah, we have six or seven businesses that work with us, law companies, law firms, insurance brokers, LIC, the Livestock Improvement Company. We've got a group of youth that my eldest son went to Hamilton Boys High with, and they've been coming back for several years. And when I'm in a bit of a spot and I've got more trees to get in than I've got volunteers and workers, um, I just call them up and my son's mates are just tremendous. All I have to do is give them a barbecue at lunchtime and a mm-hmm. few beers afterwards. So some sausages and some beers and you've got some planters. Yeah, yeah. And again, a lot of laughs. The other thing we do is Takuwairua is a big source of where I spend the trust's resources and knowledge largely through through my background. And that's, I go to schools and the kids are about 10, 11, up to 12 or 13. And I speak to classes of up to about 30, I suppose. I take the Doc 200 trap along. I take a number of the native trees that have propagated from seed at, at home and I pass the trees around and I talk about the different textures and where these different trees are found and what each of them are good for and what stage, how big they become, whether they're nursery trees or the secondary or the tertiary podocarps. And I talk them through that and I talk them about forest bathing and and the responsibility of every New Zealander and particularly the young in the future to looking after our natural habitat and increasing and protecting our biodiversity. So, yeah, I, I work with hundreds of children wow. a year through Takawairua. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it's also, again, a lot of fun. I, I think it was Takawairua that nominated me for this. Um, yes, it was, for the Vibe Lifter Award. Yeah, so I was thrilled that they felt I did enough, a good enough job for that nomination. So thank you to them. And before I go any more, thank you also for the money that you've funded towards us, uh, which we've got good use for, and um, I'm having your yoghurt on a daily basis. (laughs) (laughs) Great. We do like hearing that. (laughs) It's beautiful. And so what do you plan to do with those funds? Because you're our most recent Vibe Lifter. Congratulations. Um, I know you've got some plans, some projects you're wanting to put it towards. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. The money will enable us to go and get more materials. We've gone through a bit of a tough spot over the last six months with funding applications, and we'd run out of materials to make the Doc 200s. Hmm. We've got a new cohort of youth that we're supposed to be training, and we're just at the end of it. So this has enabled us to go out and buy some in between the next big fund that we have to get to carry on with our hundreds and hundreds of traps that we're operating in the Northern Puriora. Mm. There's more to add to them. So we'll be putting it into trap materials. It'll be brilliant and well used. Thank you. So important. And so trapping, maybe if I can just ask a little bit about that, because you obviously know so much about it now. There's all these different methods out there for pest control. What what have you found works the best? Because you hear people debating about 1080 and different types of traps and shooting and, you know, hunting. (laughs) What do you think actually works or do we need kind of a combination of all these different things? We do need a combination. As an example, the Paronga Restoration Society was just doing rat bait poisoning and we were refilling bait stations 
they'd fill the plastic bags and then we'd go and put them in the bait station in the forest about five to ten minutes walk along a very well-marked track in the northern Puriora. And I thought, well, that was brilliant, but what about all the other predators that are in this forest? Because we've got to look after the kokako, not just from rats, but from the stoats, the Mm. feral cats, the possums, all all the mustelid family and hedgehogs for other ground-dwelling birds. So that's why I chose Dock 200s. But we are presently looking to make Dock 250s on the advice of John Bissell, a expert predator who's contracted to save the Kiwi in their work throughout New Zealand. He's a guy that goes to the islands if they suspect there's a rat on one of these protected islands with no predators. Oh, wow. They send John and his dog he's the out man. There. Oh, yeah, he's, um, his passion is predator control. I don't, there'll be some others, but he'd be one of the top in New Zealand. So while you might think that I know a bit about it, I'm really quite beginner compared to people like that. So I'm at a reasonable stage of of trapping knowledge, but I'm forever seeking expert advice. Mm. I don't pretend to be the best at that, but I I do know a lot. And um, the other things, we we trap for feral cats. We have Mm. special traps for them. There's so many feral cats, 2.4 million, I think, nationwide. They're a big killer of our biodiversity and... uh, the idea of the money causing damage to our forests is wrong. The biodiversity in our towns and cities is being impacted by cats as well. So it's one of those issues that's it's difficult for people to deal with. But mm. it would be great, in my view, if the cat lovers of the world did accept responsibility for what damage they inflict. They are an invited animal into our society, just like dogs. And dogs, wild dogs, also cause a lot of damage. So... Yeah, anything that gets rid of any of our predators is important and there's a variety of uses. I, It just depends on where you are. But having a big variety of tools is the way to treat any project and you must also, also take into account not just predators but it's also pest weeds. Yes. And pest weeds are a huge problem in New oh, Zealand. Yes. I mean, look at all the gorse we've got everywhere, all the kaikuya. All the, just, oh, the privet, the in privet partic- yes. particularly in, so much privet. in the Waikato and between Hamilton and Raglan, the privet is shocking. But we're talking to council. We've been uh, lucky enough to be accepted as a preferred contractor to the Waikato Regional Council and the Waikato District Council. So we are looking to take some key areas where they might agree with us. That's a lot of value there if we go in there and we look after it. We remove the introduced species, we plant them with natives and mm. also trapping. And as long as the whole community respects what we're doing and that there's a need for it, I think the rascals that steal our gear will probably get more embarrassed when they learn how important it is. Who steals your gear? Oh, well, you lose your traps. Um, people, oh. well, that's why we brand it. I brand it on three sides now. Oh. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but... You do have your gear stolen, but... Uh, oh, how frustrating. It is, but... No. Hopefully they're using it to catch yeah, pests. Well, that's, the, that's, <laughs> that's, actually, that's what I like to, to think. Use. I like to think that, well, mm. that's okay, we'll replace it, but they can go and catch their rats somewhere else. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and for the tree newbies out there, can you tell us a little bit about natives versus introduced species? What are your thoughts on what's best to focus on planting? Yeah, well, all trees have a place. Introduced species are valuable as well for a multitude of reasons. There's commercial reasons, there's aesthetic reasons, but our trust doesn't plant other than native plants because mm. our our goal is to improve New Zealand's habitat, its natural habitat and environment and get it as much back to way that it was before generations of New Zealanders mostly unwittingly uh, did massive damage to our environment. So we prioritise native trees. Yes. And any trees or plant is good as long as it's in the right place. Mm. You can put a, a coldy on a beach in front of your neighbours, but you're not, not going to, <laughs> it's not going to necessarily live that long and, and you've got to take into account other people's feelings. But also where the tree is most comfortable, you can't put a tree that loves really wet feet into an arid area. So mm. you've got to look at the area and you've got to assess what is found there. Or if it's completely barren, then you've got to do some research and find yeah. out what used to be found there and then do your best to eco-source mm. the plants So the that's seeds. getting seeds from that local area to plant those trees in that area, right? Yeah, because that variety of, say, a kofi has traditionally been found there, whereas others strains will have been found in another part of New Zealand, mm. won't necessarily transfer to the Whangarā Harbour area. And wetland trees like Pukatea and Kaikatea, cabbage tree, and the Harakiki, even Putaputaweta, they prefer damp, wet feet. Mm. And they've got to be put in the right place. Mm. Well, they're not going to thrive. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any particular favourites yourself? I mean, I know you love all trees, <laughs> but maybe any, yeah, any favourites in there? I really like Rimu. I think they're, they're an absolutely gorgeous tree. Kauri. Mm. I have been able to collect seeds from both of those and propagate them, and I've got them on my land at Okita Raglan, or our land. And Nikau palms are a favourite of mine. The old Leptospermice caparium manuka. Ooh, that just rolled off your tongue very nicely. <laughs> yeah, studied it twice when I was 12 and 13. <laughs> Copied the same project. Mm-hmm. Well uh, um, manuka is a favourite because it's a great New Zealand shrub and it's just, I love to watch all the birds. You get grey warblers in it, fantails, wax eyes. You get all these birds, the, the tui coming around for the harakiki, also pop into the manuka. So, yeah, there's just all that stuff. I just love it. Yeah, I can see it in your eyes. (laughs) There must be so many challenges with getting a trust up and running. I know this has been sort of a long journey, but also keeping it sustainable, like you said, with funding applications, you know, not going through at different times. What are some of the big challenges you're focused on solving at the moment? Yeah, you're right. It is the funding. We started off with a real raw people loving what we did and supporting us with money, but we've got to a certain size now that our responsibilities are quite large, and now with the two employed youth, 
and the economy changing. Mm. Uh, like the farmers are doing it really hard right now. Yes. They're one of our key partners in the work we do. We need to get their cooperation to work on their wetlands and streams and springs and harbours and ponds. And they're, they're finding it very tough at the moment. And so there's a roll-on effect to other funders. Yes. And we've been turned down on a lot of funding applications to get more traps. We need to, you know, there's, there's at least $130,000 we need to carry on and complete this major project we're doing in the Puriora if we ever want to get the Kiwi released in there, which is our That's the goal. current goal, mm. working with Save the Kiwi and other stakeholders out there. So what we're doing is we're concentrating on becoming less dependent on hard-to-get funds from other charities and taking the boys out to teach them that we have to make our own way. Right. So it's a continuation. It's applying the principles for the trust as we give our youth that don't be there for a handout. Mm. Go out and do something and work hard. And if you do the hard mahi, you'll get the treats. And that's yes. that's one of the <laughs> I things. I remember you saying that to our team when we were out planting trees. Yeah, do the yeah. mahi, get the treats. Yeah, well, I think I was talking about bearsies and something to eat <laughs> underneath the pl- after the planting. Yeah, but the, so that's what we're trying to do. And we have quadrupled the number of private contracts that we had a couple of years ago. And we've also gone from, say, 2,000 trees, plants and maintenance per year up to this year, 6,500. That's great. Yeah. So many beautiful trees. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a, a, a lot when you look at other groups, but I'm a 65-year-old man with a couple of youth and asking a lot of volunteers and kids to help, so it's not a bad effort from everybody. No, every tree counts. And, I mean, if you think about the impact that a tree has over its lifetime, it's going to be there longer than we are, you know. So. Yeah. I think we can lay claim to about 35,200 trees, but I do know other individuals that would do 100,000 in a year. Individuals, Individuals. planting 100,000 trees. Yeah, there's some people I know who are doing tremendous work. Other farmers are doing tremendous work. Wow, that's incredible. We're really a blip in what's going on in New Zealand. So there's a real movement for planting trees at the moment. Would you say that's the case? Oh, absolutely. Mm. And there's a real movement for increased predator control. People are very aware of the need to look after our environment. So this thing I'm... I'm doing it's it's pretty obvious both our priorities are are high in the importance list mm. um, our, our troubled youth and our struggling environment so yeah no the, the more I talk about it wherever I go the more I learn of all these other wonderful projects that are going on and it, it, yeah it's really really cool I feel very positive about New Zealand's future in this regard it's so heartening because often you just hear, the sad stories, you know, and you hear all the things we're not doing well and all the ways we're failing. And so it actually is really nice to to hear from you that you feel we're moving in a good direction. Yeah, well, it's just about looking at what you see that needs doing and getting out and doing it. Mm, And not waiting for someone else to do it for you. Well, if you put your hand out and you wait for things, 
you don't get much of my time. If you put your hand up and say, can I help, then I'll go as far as I can to meet the help that they need and enjoy it while I do it. And um, it's a pretty well-accepted way of life in New Zealand, particularly when I was growing up. It was pretty normal. Mm. Um, It is a lot of my age group that I know are doing this. Well, I certainly can look back on my life and remember how lucky we were growing up and how beautiful New Zealand was. And then because you get so busy with your career and your your family and it's only when your children are grown up like ours that you get a bit more time to look around Mm. and become more aware of how degraded it has become. But I would have done that about 15, 20 years ago. Yes. And started to recognise that and, and a lot of my peers, my contemporaries have been doing the same thing. And so, yeah, I'm, overall I'm positive, That's very positive. so great. I remember you saying something about, was it a motto that your dad had? Privilege comes with responsibility. Was it his line? Has uh, that kind of driven well, you a, a bit? It's our Grant family motto, with privilege comes responsibility. Mm. The other one was don't ever let the facts ruin a good story. Oh, yep, that's a classic. Yeah. I think my dad has that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other one is the one you do the mahi and you get the treats and if you nurture nature, you nurture yourself. Mm. So there's a lot of those sort of things that I think of and I talk about when I'm talking to youth. Yeah. And it's amazing how much they remember as well, like these little things. If you just say it at the right time, then sometimes it sticks. Yeah, I get a bit of feedback from the young men and women who uh, take the classes for Takuwarua that they invite me along to. And one said the other day they went out and did their practical day that I couldn't attend and and they were in the bush somewhere. And one of the girls reported, I think it was to Woody, and they said, um, Woody, is this what Murray means by go forest bathing? <laughs> and so <laughs> he said to me, that's good because they remembered what I talked about. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> they were listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is heartening. What's something you've learned along the way that surprised you? I remember you telling us about uh, pukekos wrecking havoc on young trees and pulling them all out of the ground, which came as very surprising to me. I'd always seen them as these sort of cute, innocent little kiwi birds <laughs> running around, but I'm sure there's plenty of other um, facts you could share. Yeah, well, pukeko are a cute bird. I think they originated from Australia, but they're definitely a big part of New Zealand now. But like everything else, the pukeko, if out of balance with its environment, becomes a pest. Mm. And particularly on the dairy farm we're doing a lot of work on here in Okiti, there's far too many pukeko. And you only have to walk over the pasture and look at the water troughs and see our planting efforts after a few days and the damage that they incur or cause to the whenua is large. So, mm. yeah, there's those. There, there's the hedgehog. Uh, mm. The hedgehog's one that most people find that should be harmless, but the hedgehog is definitely a predator and a pest. What does it do? What's it uh, out there eating? Oh, they're out there eating all our valuable insects, oh. uh, which is the food for our birds and our lizards. Mm. Um, the hedgehog will attack ground-dwelling bird nests, attack the eggs, eat the eggs, eat the baby chicks. 
Goodness. Um, I think also, well, I don't know a lot about it, but they spread diseases from what I know. But, uh, oh. yeah, they're, they're one of the our target pests when we do our pest eradication. As for surprises, I suppose what I talked about earlier, I, I was surprised that you didn't have to go too far in a conversation, say particularly when you're having a coffee and I yabber away as I tend to, and the people that you meet have a contact or know someone else who's mm. doing the type of work or has an opportunity for our work to be done, just how widespread that awareness is in New Zealand. I think people just resonate with your mission. I mean, like you said before, helping youth, helping the environment, so many people can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty simple one to grasp, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, simple but powerful. Yeah, no, it's definitely worthwhile and it's something I hope to be able to do for another 10 years at least. At least? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we we need you. (laughs) We need you out there. Oh, I think if I concentrate on training these youth and if you look at the feedback I get from Leighton and Nevi and I hear from them through Takawairua how much they are enjoying it and they're getting passionate for it as well. Mm. So I think that's the most exciting thing for me because one man can only do so much, but if he educates and works with the children of the future, then I think that's when you can can leave something worthwhile behind and, and see that it carries on. Yeah, that's a special legacy. Yeah. If you can encourage Kiwis to get more in touch with nature because it's been such a powerful thing for you, what would you recommend as a starting point? Because we've got a lot of people who are inside, you know, most of the time. What would be the sort of easiest way they could start getting more in touch with nature? Yeah, well, you don't have to look far on the internet to actually research what is going on in your own backyard. There are a lot of small groups throughout Hamilton and I would suggest most towns where they are carrying on environmental work, whether it's a planting a local stream or revegetating a small forest copse. There's a lot of this going on. There's wetland work going on. There's the groups that do the predator control in town. Mm. You can get onto them. And it's I think it's community notice boards. It's um, going to your local council and other than searching the web. But there are a lot of groups that do this sort of work. And uh, my advice would simply be to start small. Don't go at it like a flash in the pan. Mm. And do it with friends and family, making it an enjoyable day out rather than a a struggle and a chore. And if you learn as you do it, particularly say if you've got a planting project, go back year after year and maintain it like we're we're trying to do with groups like yours. And so you can see it grow and you can Mm. see the increasing benefit to the clarity of the water going into the Whangarau Harbour. Those sort of opportunities are everywhere and I just, yeah, strongly recommend they get out and do it and make it a a regular part of their year's mahi. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks for coming in today, Murray. 
It's been lovely chatting. You're such a legend. Uh, not at all. No, just another average Kiwi, I think. Well, you're an average Kiwi with a very strong commitment to getting out and doing the mahi. Yeah, <laughs> we, well, we like it. Yeah, that's true. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, no, and thank you very much for, for supporting us and um, look forward to working with you to um, put a big trapping line in from the top of the Namai Business Centre catchment all the way down through three streams. And, yes, and, that'd be great. And see what sort of beautiful tanga we can bring back to our area. Yeah, be great to have more birds around here. Well, imagine if we had Kedaru all around your business park. How, How cool, cool would, would that, that be? How cool would that be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sit in and sink. Oh, thanks, Mary. Okay, thank you, Tish. Thanks for listening to the Vibe Lifter podcast. We hope that tuning into this interview has lifted your vibe. Check out raglanfoodco.com to learn more about the people and projects we're stoked to be supporting. A body's a true hobby, the one to shake the sun and down the Follow through with the dish that you play.